we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And we have five weeks on the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I'm going to tell you where, where we're at. But do you know Christianity is not just an experience you have that is like outside of the body. It's kind of on the exterior only. Uh, Christianity is, is not just about behaving the right way, dressing the right way, looking the right way. That's not the case. Um, Jesus spoke very seriously and very clearly that there is an outside element to Christianity, but he values what is going on on the inside. And there's some really interesting things that take place on the inside of you that maybe we don't explore as often uh, when it comes to Christianity. So I want you to see this passage here when Jesus spoke to the scribes and Pharisees. In Matthew 23, verse 25, the Bible says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You could say he wasn't very happy with them, right? For ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, painted graves, right? Painted uh, tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within, full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity." He wasn't happy at all with them, but he was declaring to them, he said, listen, you, you got it right on one side, you, you look great on the outside, but he said, first, take care of the inside, and God has this value that he places on the inner man, and so many times in the Bible, there, there's descriptions of not what God is working on the outside of you first, but what God is doing on the inside of you. Your inner man, it's made up of your soul and your spirit. And if you're a born-again believer, here's what the Bible says about your inner man. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, many of you know this. This is a really foundational verse for maybe those of you that are new believers. The Bible says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. See, we at one time, those of you that are saved, were like the Pharisees, inwardly full of dead men's bones. We were dead on the inside. See, but it's the point of salvation we're going to learn tonight. God comes in and makes us alive on the inside. We are spiritually alive. If you're a believer today, the Bible speaks about the Holy Spirit. And he is the one who has come to live inside of you. He brings you new life. He makes alive in you that which was dead. And he produces spiritual fruit in your life. This is the third person of the Trinity, right? Uh, we've got the Father. We've got the Son, Jesus. And we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives inside you. And so I want to take the next five weeks and look at the Holy Spirit and some key questions that we typically have about the Holy Spirit. And here's where we're going. Uh, 
This week, I'm going to answer the question, and we're going to talk about it together. What is the baptism of the Spirit? How many of you have heard that before? The baptism of the Spirit. We're going to talk about what exactly is that, because there are some misconceptions. There are some things people define as the baptism that isn't really the baptism of the Spirit. Uh, Next week, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. What is mine and what is it for? I would love by the end of next week for you to be able to identify or at least gain an understanding of what your spiritual gift might be, why you have it, and how you can use it, and why you should use it, and what you should do with it. Uh, And then week three, we are going to talk about what is walking in the Spirit. We, We heard that. The Bible says, walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Well, how do you do that, right? What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? That's week three. Week four, we're going to answer the question, what is the fruit of the Spirit? What is it? Uh, How does it show up in your life? How do do you get it to show up in your life? And then in week five, and uh, if I have any more to add to week five, I will. But here's week five. I'm going to answer three main topics all in one, uh, one time. It is, what is... Uh, what about speaking in tongues? We're going to talk about that. What, is, what about being slain in the Spirit? That's something going around in the world in Christendom. Is that a thing? Is that not a thing? Is it a Bible thing? And then we'll also talk about the unforgivable sin or blaspheming the Holy Spirit. So hang on. Does sound exciting, right? We're going to get some answers. And uh, we're going to get them right from here, okay? I'm, I do not want to tell you my opinion want to go right from the scriptures here and, and get started with this. Uh, but before we get started uh, again, I, I really do want to pray. Um, the Bible says that, there's a prayer in Psalms anyway that says, uh, Lord, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And before we get into these things of the Holy Spirit, I, I do want to ask God to guide us, maybe more specifically in this area. Um, there are a lot of questions out there. Maybe you've had questions yourself. Maybe this is a topic you just haven't understood. So let's pray for God's clear understanding in this, all right? Uh, God, shortly we just pray and uh, we just ask as we look into your word and study that you give us clear understanding about the Holy Spirit. I pray that uh, you would just help me to communicate this according to your word and help us to understand uh, as clear as we can. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right. I'm going to take you through some verses of Scripture. Uh, They may pop up on the screen. If they don't pop up on the screen, I'm going to read them to you. And if you could follow along fast enough, uh, then we'll do that too. I want to just get started where the Holy Spirit was first mentioned. Because I want to give you, before we answer the question, what is the baptism of the Spirit? I just want to get an understanding of who is this Holy Spirit that we talk about. Cool? So in Genesis 1, 1... Right at the beginning, the Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Who created the heaven and the earth? God did. Listen to this in verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, emptiness, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. You know, when you go through this creation story, we can see that There is a trinity, a a triune God in the beginning, and the the Holy Spirit is mentioned here. He moves upon the face of the waters. He was evident all the way from the beginning of creation. 
And then throughout the Old Testament, we, we read about this spirit. Now that word spirit, it's this Hebrew word. It does mean wind or breath, this wind of God, this invisible part of the Trinity, this, this part of God that is ever real as the Father and the Son, but still yet a spirit. And we read about this, and it's, it's cool because the spirit comes upon certain people, right? And you read about him coming on certain people, and they fulfill their purpose that God had for them. Uh, in Genesis 41, verse 38, Pharaoh said about Joseph, listen to this, and Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And this is right before, you know, Joseph gave that testimony, that interpretation of the dream about how he needed to find a man that could kind of steward Egypt through this famine. And he said, you know what? Joseph is the guy, but it's because the Spirit of God was on him. Throughout the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came upon judges and kings and other people, and they all accomplished their part in, in this Old Testament and in the stories and in God's history here. Well, let's fast forward to the New Testament. I want you to turn in Matthew chapter 3. This is so important as we begin talking about the Holy Spirit and specifically the baptism of the Spirit. Matthew 3, verse number 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. So you got Jesus coming in, and he, isn't that interesting? Could you imagine being the human man, John the Baptist, and you have God the Son coming to you and saying, hey, I, I need you to baptize me, right? Verse 14 says, but John forbade him. He said, no, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him, or he allowed him to be baptized. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So you got Jesus, he comes to John. John says, no, I shouldn't baptize you. You should baptize me. Jesus says, no, you've got to baptize me. This is, this is to fulfill all righteousness. And the Bible says he went down into the water, right? He came up out of the water. And that's where we get our example, by the way, of why we immerse people for water baptism. But that water baptism is a different baptism than the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about that. But the Bible says that Jesus saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Uh, that's where we get our picture. And many times you'll see the Holy Spirit represented as a dove. And that is why. Uh, because at this point in time, it was like a dove. He wasn't a dove, okay? Just, there wasn't a little birdie flying down, but it would seem as if a bird was coming down from heaven. Um, this is where we see the Holy Spirit uh, coming upon Jesus before his ministry. Then, I want you to fast forward, uh, move on over to John chapter 14. I want you to see another side of where the Holy Spirit is found here in the Gospels. John chapter 14, verse number 25. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. This is Jesus speaking. But the Comforter, 
which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. In this passage, we see the Holy Spirit again, and he's not like a dove this time, but he's called the comforter, right? He's somebody that's coming to, to help you, to come alongside you in your life. But here's, look at what he says he's doing here. Uh, he comforts, he teaches us all things, right? The Bible says he's also bringing to remembrance the things that Jesus has taught us, right? Uh, many times we, uh, you know, we have our own self that says, eat that Oreo or whatever, you know. We have our own inside voices speaking to us, do this thing uh, that you want to do. Well, that one voice when you're a believer that speaks to you and says, something that Jesus taught you, witness to that person, pray, uh, be patient. That's the Holy Spirit speaking. That's what the Bible says he does, is he brings to our remembrance what Jesus taught us and how to live. In the book of Acts, I want you to see the Holy Spirit in a different form. Just trying to bring you up to speed here. Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were, with, were, were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And there's that word, you know, in the Old Testament, that's, that was that word, that ruach, that Holy Spirit word, is the word wind. And here he is in the New Testament, this wind of God. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. That would have just been the weirdest thing ever, wouldn't it? Uh, that just starts blowing, and then it's interesting how the Holy Spirit appears like certain items, you know, like a dove, like these cloven tongues, uh, these cloven tongues like fire, these flames. And verse 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven, now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. In the book of Acts, we see the Holy Spirit and he comes down like cloven tongues of fire and gives these men the ability to preach the gospel, right? Jesus just goes, he goes up into heaven, they're praying. He says, stay there in one accord. And the, the Holy Spirit comes and they were empowered to preach the gospel in different languages. And we'll get on to that. Uh, on our week number five, when we talk about this speaking in tongues. Then, uh, I want you to see in 1 Corinthians 6, where we go back to this passage, where the Holy Spirit is now. Uh, where, where is he at and what is he doing? In 1 Corinthians 6, we see the Holy Spirit, and right now he's taking up residence in the body of born-again believers. That would be us. Uh, verse 19, 1 Corinthians 6. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So we get all the way through the Old Testament, into the New Testament, and where we sit today, the Bible says, listen, Jesus purchased the believer with his blood, right? We're bought with a price. And now the Holy Spirit comes and he lives inside of our body. That is interesting, right? The same God 
that moved upon the waters and worked in creation, the same one that gave the judges their strength and their abilities and the, the, the things they did that gave uh, Joseph that great wisdom to lead Egypt, all of these things, that same Holy Spirit now lives in us. The Bible says we're his temple. That just means we're his dwelling place or his home. He resides in us. Just think about that for a second. That's one of the weirdest things in Scripture. It's one of the most interesting things. The Holy Spirit, God, lives in us. In this passage, too, God claims ownership of us. You're bought with a price. We're, we're now a purchased possession. The Holy Spirit lives within us. So I hope that gives you a little bit of an overview of the Holy Spirit. But I want to answer this question. What is... The baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is it? I'm going to define it for you. And then I want to show you the scripture verses that bring us to this definition. Okay? You with me? All right. You're with me. Here we go. The definition. Uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the moment of transformation when God's Spirit changes us from death unto life. Let me read it again. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the moment of transformation when God's Spirit changes us from death unto life. When you are baptized with the Spirit, it is also the same moment when you go from unsaved to saved. You understand that? It happens at the time of salvation. It's it's that baptism of the Holy Spirit is what causes you to go from being dead in your trespasses and sins, right? Dead, on your way to hell, in your sin, the wrath of God abides on you, right? To alive in Christ, a new creature. It is that moment that we are baptized by the Holy Spirit. It is when we go from being spiritually dead to being born again, right? You must be born again. That is the same exact moment. And I want to show it to you in the scripture here. The moment of salvation and the baptism of the Spirit are one in the same. They happen simultaneously. That means at the same exact time. You all following me? This is a huge auditorium. And uh, I need some feedback here tonight, okay? And those of you online, I promise I'm going to look at your comments. So comment on there and let me know you're watching. These are simultaneous. They are directly connected and cannot be separated. You understand? Baptism of the Holy Spirit, moment of salvation, same thing, same time, directly connected. Let me explain and show you some scripture verses. In Romans chapter 8 verse 9, the Apostle Paul makes this statement. He says, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. The Spirit of God dwells in Christians, right? We read that already in 1 Corinthians 6. Look at the rest of this verse in Romans. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are not a believer. Do you understand? If you have the Holy Spirit, you are a believer. All right? Those are one and the same. Uh, this, this moment of salvation is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, I don't understand. What is that? What are you talking about, this baptism? Uh, 
so there's two things that the baptism of the Holy Spirit does for us at the moment of salvation. Here's, here's what it does. Number one, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going I'm to try my best to help you follow this. Number one, it joins us to the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We're going to get to these passages of Scripture. We're the church, right? You do not become part of God's family until you place your faith in Jesus, right? You believe that he died on the cross for your sins. You believe that he was buried and raised again. You call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If I'm getting saved, I'm getting the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, If I don't have the Holy Spirit, I'm not one of his. It all happens at the same moment. And so what, what that means, baptism, it's like that old song. There's a song called Heaven Came Down. You know, heaven came down and glory filled my soul, filled my soul. There's a line in there. It says, born of the Spirit with life from above into God's family divine. That is a very scriptural statement in a song. See, that word baptize, it means to immerse. When we have water baptism, I'm going to use two different terms. I'm going to use water baptism, and then we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Two different things, okay? Those are two different things. But when we have water baptism, we immerse people under the water. We, we completely put them under the water and bring them up out of the water. Because that's what the word means. That's what it means to baptize, to immerse, uh, to place fully into, to place into, to fully submerge. And so when we talk about the baptism of the Spirit, the Spirit fully immerses us in some things, okay? He fully engages us. He puts us completely in at the moment of salvation. And and number one, it's in the body of Christ. He is the one that gives you the ability to be part of God's family. You are joined to the body of Christ at large because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You're baptized. You're placed into the body of Christ. And that's the reason why we have water baptism as a requirement for membership because you're not part of God's family, spiritually speaking, unless the Holy Spirit baptizes you into that family. He places you in there. When you can't be part of this local family unless you're baptized by water as a representation of this spiritual baptism. So it joins us to the body of Christ, but the baptism of the Spirit also makes our crucifixion and resurrection with Christ a reality. Let me, I'll explain that to you. Um, in Mark chapter 1, uh, there is this clear, separate, uh, clear statement that separates water baptism and baptism of the Spirit. I want to show you that because it's so important to this discussion. Um, Mark chapter 1, verse 6, and John was clothed with camel's hair. Sounds trendy. And with a girdle of a skin about his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. Who's he speaking about? Jesus, right? Here's what John the Baptist says. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. See, receiving Jesus as your Savior is one and the same with Holy Spirit baptism. We see two baptisms here, a water baptism and something different, which we know is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Are are you following me with this? 
Water baptism is different than Holy Spirit baptism. Um, you're both getting immersed into, one is a physical representation, one is a spiritual reality that takes place by God, by his power alone. Uh, so that word baptize, again, means to immerse, to, su- to fully submerge. Uh, that this uh, Holy Spirit baptism is also referenced in Acts chapter 1. I want you to look there, or you can follow on the screen. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 The Bible says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When we read about those cloven tongues of fire coming down, that's what happened not many days hence. They were waiting for the promise, the promise that when Jesus, he said, if, if I go away, it's good for you because when I go away, I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. The promise is the Holy Spirit. And soon they would be, what this verse said, baptized with the Holy Ghost or immersed with the Holy Spirit. What he's saying is there was an inner change, a change on the inside that was going to take place because of God's Holy Spirit. When it happened, we read about it already, the rushing mighty wind, the cloven tongues of fire. In in Acts 2, 4, it said, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. So I want to explain this, this baptism. What does it do for us? We already said, number one, the baptism joins us to the body of Christ. You are part of this family, this church family, God's family, because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Look in 1 Corinthians 12. Verse number 12, this, th- this verse in verse 13 brings some real good clarity to the question. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? The, the Bible says, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Uh, Paul just got done at the beginning of chapter 12 talking about spiritual gifts, which we'll get there uh, next week. But he talks about that, and he's talking about this family that you become a part of. He, he relates it to a body with a head and arms and feet, and, and the body of Christ is one body, but it's made up of different people, different members. But he says this in verse 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have, made, have been all made to drink into one spirit. Here's the key thing to pay attention to when you're talking about the baptism of the Spirit. This scripture says, for by one Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Every Christian is already baptized by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we can get into this probably on week five, but there are some uh, churches, some teachings that would tell you that you have to, uh, you've gotten saved, but you still need to get baptized later by the Holy Spirit. Well, the scripture says clearly that all of us are, are baptized into this one body by the same Spirit. We're all baptized into there. So if you're part of this body, if you're a believer, we've already seen it happens at the moment of salvation. It's not a second experience that you need to wait for or pray for or ask for. All are baptized into one body. There's no need to wait for this baptism. It happens at salvation. Now listen to this. When you are 
placed into God's family, there's two really cool things that we'll expand upon next week that happen to you, some benefits that come along with that. The first one is found in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. When the Holy Spirit baptizes you, meaning he places you into the body of Christ, he puts you in the family, the first thing he does is he seals you. He seals you. He, he permanently puts you there. You're, you're part of the family and you ain't getting out of the family. All right? Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, the Bible says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So you heard the word of God, you, you heard the gospel of your salvation, you believed it, and then you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's that, that baptism, that sealing, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. <gasps> Huh, that's a lot in that verse. Let me explain what's going on here. The Bible says you're sealed. That's talking about a declarative mark, like a stamp of approval, a seal of, this is mine, right? Uh, That's what that's talking about. It's a seal, a stamp, a declarative signet or mark. Uh, It says that this Holy Spirit that's living inside you is an earnest of our inheritance. The word earnest means a pledge. It means a down payment. It says that God has made this declarative statement that you are his with this seal of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and it is showing that you are his, and it says it's the down payment until our redemption, the redemption of the purchased possession. We already talked about that, that God bought us with his blood. We're not ours anymore, and that the thing that shows that is because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. Do you understand? Is that making sense to you? You are sealed. You're permanently part of the family. And this is so important because uh, many of us have been part of families that, uh, or been part of friendships that you get kicked out of. You got groups and clubs and, and places where you once belonged, but you don't belong anymore. You had friends that used to be your friends, but they're not your friends anymore. You had family that maybe wrote you off. One of the best benefits of being baptized by the Holy Spirit And that just means placed into God's family is that you are permanently part of this family. You have a father in heaven that you can pray to. You're part of the family. No longer is Satan your father. God is your father. You have a father. You have brothers and sisters. We come to church and we have people that care for us. The Bible says we're to bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. We have people that help us and we we share needs together and meet needs of one another. But all of that takes place Because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the fact that he has taken you and completely immersed you into God's family. Uh, And and many times we consider this family, let me just talk openly about this, we consider it an optional thing. Uh, I go to church, I attend services, I maybe watch online, and we have this distant relationship This relationship you have with God's family should not be a distant thing. It is something that is so important to God that what the Holy Spirit did was put you in this permanent family, right? It's it's a priority with God. It's so important to Him, and it should be important to us as well. You're sealed. You're permanently joined in the body of Christ. But here's the second thing. Uh, It's it's a benefit of being uh, put into the body of Christ. It's found in 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, the Bible 
talks about the fact that we are gifted. I'm not going to read all those verses tonight because that's where we're going uh, next week. But the Bible says that when you're placed into this family, God gave you everything you need to be a part of this family. He gave you a specific uh, gift mix. There, there is something in your life that you didn't have before that now the Holy Spirit enables you to do to benefit this family so you can be a part of it, so you can help those in need, so that you can serve the families. Because the family has a, a family mission and a family goal. You are 100% equipped to do that because the Holy Spirit lives inside you now. It's incredible. And so next week, I want to talk about this gift that you might have, that you do have if you're a believer. How do you know what it is? Because uh, if you don't know what it is, you surely can't use it unless you accidentally kind of stumbled into it, right? But God says you have a gift. He lists some specific gifts that you may have, and it, it's good for you to figure out what it is because he placed you in this permanent family and asked you to serve and, and benefit the family. So you're sealed in this family. You are gifted for the benefit of this new family. But I want to I cover one other part of this baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it's this. is that the baptism of the Spirit makes our, our crucifixion and resurrection with Christ a reality. Let me just say it again, and I'm going to explain it. The baptism of the Spirit makes your and our crucifixion and resurrection with Christ a reality. This is one of the hardest things to grasp, probably as a Christian, practically speaking. If you didn't already know it, you have victory over your sin. Let me say it again. You have victory over your sin. Some of you are like, I am fighting and I am working. I don't have it yet. The Bible says that your victory over a sin is, is a present reality that we need to uh, follow in God's word. And it's made possible uh, by the Holy Spirit. He is the one, when Christ died, he's the one that ties you and Christ together. You died with Christ. And that's why when we baptize somebody, we say buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. The Holy Spirit gave you newness of life. He gave you the ability to be dead, your sin to be dead with Christ, and for you to have a brand new life, uh, able to live unto righteousness. And I, I want to read this to you because this is so important in understanding this baptism. I hope it will clear some things up for you. Uh, and if you have questions, that's okay too. We can, we can take some time to answer those. Romans chapter 6 in verse number 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? that grace may abound. God forbid, how shall we that are, present tense, are dead to sin, live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were, say the word, baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Now, I want to pause there. When we get to this verse, maybe you've been reading this and thinking, water baptism. You've been thinking, oh yeah, I got baptized, and that is what tied me into Christ and his baptism. Water baptism is a representative act. It's, it's the one that, that shows on the outside what happened on the inside. But in this passage, God is talking about what is a reality on the inside of you when you trust Christ. You following me? There is a reality that happens inside that needs to come out on the outside. 
So when we read in verse 3 the word baptized, think of this Holy Spirit baptism. When, when the Holy Spirit places you into God's family and ties you spiritually to Christ in his death and in his resurrection. Verse uh, number 3 says, Know ye not, don't you know that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism... Holy Spirit baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. This is where we get our language from about this. He says, for if we have been planted together. Those are words that speak that immersion. We've been planted and you take a seed, you plant it, it's buried. It's completely immersed under the ground. It's the same concept, the same idea. If we've been planted together, baptized into the likeness of his death, We shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion uh, dominion over him for in that he died he died unto sin once but in that he liveth he liveth unto God last verse I'm going to read here likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord when we get to the point is what does the baptism of the Holy Spirit do what does that actually mean in my life you are part of God's family because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit he's placed you in the family He's placed you permanently in the family. He's given you gifts to be a part of that family. But not only that, he's not only immersed you into Christ, that that family. The Bible says, here's what happens at that same moment. When Jesus died and defeated sin and death, so did you. When Jesus defeated sin, you get to take part in that. that. That you are tied to that. You are dead with Christ, planted together in the likeness of his death. And you know what? When Jesus rose again, with that resurrection power, well, you have it too. You have the same power that Jesus had coming out. That's why the Bible gets to this verse, verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. It means to take an account, to, to believe it to be true. Uh, Many times, we understand the Holy Spirit puts us in a new family. Maybe we forget the priority of that family, the importance of that family, how it's tied to who we are in Christ. But we really forget big time the fact that sin no longer has power over us, that God has made us new. The Bible says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Does Jesus live in you? What do you think? This is a question. This is one of those rhetorical, rhetorical ones. Where is Jesus right now? That's right. Sitting on the right hand of the Father. The Bible says Jesus died. He was buried. He rose again. He was on the earth for a period of time and did many miracles and saw his disciples. But there was one part in Acts chapter 1 where Jesus ascended back up into heaven. You know Jesus isn't on the earth right now. 
He said when he left, he would send who? The Holy Spirit. He would send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. So when this verse says, I am crucified with Christ, we know that we're crucified with Christ because of the Holy Spirit. But it says, nevertheless, I live yet and I, but Christ liveth in me. Many times in the scripture, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Christ. When, this, when he claims this verse, that Christ lives in me, that it's almost this charge you up, pump you up, encourage you that you have victory over your sin. Uh, Christ lives in me, the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's the Spirit of God that lives in you. It's, it, you're crucified with Christ and living this new life because the Spirit of God you have that Holy Spirit baptism. He has tied you to Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. So I hope that is helpful to you. If anybody ever brings up the baptism of the Spirit, those are pretty much all the verses the Bible speaks about the baptism. That's, that's about it right there is the fact that we have all been baptized into the body and that we've been baptized with Christ, dead with Christ, and raised with Christ. So here's a couple questions for reflection. A couple questions for reflection tonight. You are a meaningful part of the body of Christ and you've been gifted to serve because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you this. Are you involved in a meaningful way? If God in heaven came and he came as the Holy Spirit to place you into a family, are you involved in that family in a meaningful way? Do you know your gifts? Do you? Maybe you're saying, I really don't know. I, hopefully some of you know exactly what your spiritual gifts are. If you don't, we're going to get there next week. Are you using your spiritual gifts? One of the things that we've recognized in this time of COVID is that there were certain physical obstacles that kept us distant. It, it did. It kept us distant from our family, from our church family. But God has given you a gift. He has equipped you to serve. I just want to challenge you to ask yourself, are you using the gift? Maybe you've gotten away from using the gift. Now's the time to get back to using your gift. Here's, here's the second thing. You've been joined with Christ in his death and resurrection. I wonder if you are reckoning yourself, like the Bible says, to be dead indeed unto sin, and alive unto God. Are you experiencing the victory that God would have you experience because the Holy Spirit lives within you?